I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSN, the sports betting network. been running on a glorious Monday evening. That gentleman right there, Super Bowl champion, Sean King. I am Tim Murray, and uh, I just want to start the show, Sean, by giving rightful props to some people. How about Brad Evans? Devin Singletary, anytime touchdown, what happens? <clears throat> Devin Singletary scores the game's first touchdown. Never a sweat. Kenny White, best bet, over in the Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game, 53 and a half. End of that game was quite enjoyable. Get 78 points. Never a sweat. How about our guy Dave Ross on Friday night? Yeah. A little plus money best bet. Figueredo plus 175. He wins by decision over Brandon Moreno. Never a sweat. Did I miss anybody? Yes, you absolutely did because... Uh, Big King's no, best bet! No, before we get to the obvious one that you overlooked intentionally, <laughs> David Ross also gave us Nganu to win the it, actual main event. And that I, is true. I parlayed Nganu and Figueroa together in a two-teamer. There you go. And kiss a cash, king, yeah. king. Yeah, I took Figueroa, I took Nganu. Uh, I did take the under. Uh, two and a half. So kinda, I got really lucky. Kind of split on the uh, on the main event there, but because uh, I tried to parlay under two and a half, and they wouldn't let you. They do wouldn't it. let me do it. There Best thing go. ever happened to me all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was uh, that was enjoyable. My best bet of the weekend was a big fat loser because I took uh, the worst quarterback team in the playoffs. That would be the Tennessee Titans, and uh, my anticipation wasn't. That their quarterback, who, you know, they're the least respected number one seed out there. Well, when you diarrhea down your pants, uh, like Ryan Tannehill did, that's what happens. You lose 19 to 16 at home. So my money line parlay for plus money was already thrown out. And then the Packers went out and lost too. So not only did I lose one of that, I just lost both. So that was uh that was enjoyable. I should have stuck more to the props that we talked about, but never a sweat. Whatsoever, Sean. It the really Chiefs wasn't. to win. Never a sweat. It wasn't. 13 seconds to go. Trailing 30. What was it? 36 to 33. The Bills decide, you know what? Those 13 seconds and all those timeouts that you have, yeah, let's just kick out of the back of the end zone. I don't necessarily think. Let's play no, let's play no sidelines defense when you have all your timeouts. I 
I, I don't, God bless you, Bills. I don't actually have a problem. By the way, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, if you watch the show, was Big King's best bet of the weekend. Never in doubt. Again, Never in doubt. Chiefs dominated from start <laughs> to about three minutes left in the fourth. But and when you have Patrick Mahomes, you always have a chance. Like Andy Reid said, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Will go down as one of the greatest lines in divisional great, playoff round history. Having said that, what a weekend of football. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. I was glued to the TV. I was on the edge of my seat. We haven't even talked about the last quarter and a half of the Tampa Bay Bucks rams game, <laughs> I mean, which was must-see television. How about both number one seeds losing at home? Yep. Yeah. If you would have told me that the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers would only score 10 points, 10 points, that the 49ers would go into Lambeau and not score an offensive touchdown – and went outright. I think this game really did a lot of damage to Aaron Rodgers' legacy. And by that, I mean he's a guy that I think a lot of people, I don't want to say they dislike him, but they tend to not care for him because of some of his mannerisms and personality traits. And the fact that he's been surrounded by the caliber of talent that he has since he got to Green Bay and the amount of home playoff games that he's had and still only gotten to one Super Bowl, I think when his career is over, people are going to, allow him to evaporate and fade into the past memories extremely quickly. Well, we'll see how his career finishes, though. Well, if the next stop is not a spring chicken, if the next stop is Denver or something like that, and and he's able to win a title. See, to me, it'd be a huge mistake to go to the AFC. Well, I'm just saying, I I mean, when you look at the AFC right now and you're talking Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Yep. If I'm a free agent Ryan Tannehill looked tremendous. Yeah, yeah, he's you know? not in the same group. He was great. Uh, I'm, if I'm a free agent quarterback, I'm really trying to go to the NFC. I mean, because if Aaron Rodgers is one of the free agents. Well, he can't I mean, be a free agent. He had to be traded. As great as Tom Brady was, listen, at 44 years old, 5,300 passing yards, 45 touchdowns, please don't disrespect that man, national media, and ask, is he retiring? Why would he retire? Peyton Manning retired because he couldn't play anymore. Drew Brees retired because he couldn't play anymore. Big Ben Roethlisberger hopefully is retiring because he can't play anymore. Tom Brady's still balling. It's not even the same evaluation. So I definitely think he's coming back. But outside of Brady in the NFC, I mean, Stafford's still trying to, you know, establish himself. I mean, the Rams are in the NFC Championship game, but it's not because Stafford has had Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes type performances, you know. So I think he's still trying to establish who he is as an individual player. Now, as a team, the Rams are extremely talented. I said before the game, not having Tristan Wirth was huge. If you'd have told me that Donovan Smith was going to play like a third-string old lineman, I would have said the Bucs have no chance. Some kind of way, Sean McVay's undisciplined, extremely poorly coached team found a way to hold on to a road playoff game. Can you believe that? Up oh, Was it 27-3? to 27-3. And what they decided, please get back in the game, Tampa. Four turnovers. Yeah, so I mean – I'm not as impressed with, with the Rams. I mean, I don't think Stafford has elevated himself yet. Not saying he's played bad, but in the first two games, he really hadn't had to win it. Even the last pass, that's completely on Todd Bowles, and we'll get into that. The defensive coordinator from Tampa, unbelievable in that situation that you could design any defense that doesn't have a middle field player. You know, <laughs> that was unbelievable. Well, they- because all the momentum is with Tampa. There's no one alive that thinks if that game goes to overtime, whether Tampa gets the, the coin toss or not, 
that the Bucs aren't winning. I mean, everything in the stadium, all the energy, the karma, the game flow was pointing in the direction of the Bucs. Well, I want to stick with that game. So 30-27, to 27, the Rams win uh, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the first three games of the postseason are the divisional round, all end on walk-off field goals by the visiting team. The dog wins outright thanks to a field goal at the end of every single game. And it's 27-all. The Rams have, as you mentioned, just basically handed the game to Tampa Bay. I mean, how Mike Evans is able to get behind a defender to score to make it 27-20, to 20, then to Cam Akers to fumble again. I mean, they continue to find ways to, to shoot themselves in the foot. But I was Le- surprised when he Le- Morris allowed that to happen. But Levante David, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a miscommunication. He doesn't blitz, and it's clear as day he was confused, so it allows... Stafford have a little bit more time on that zero blitz in the matter. middle of the field is wide open. It, it didn't matter. It's the call. It's a terrible call. It's the call. It's an at, absolutely at, terrible call. At that call. point in the game, I mean, even if they complete a 20-yard pass, they're not in field goal range. They don't have any timeouts left. Gay had already missed a 47-yarder yeah. short. Yeah, so I, I just completely on Todd Bolts. Like, I understand the Bucks are an aggressive defensive unit, but game management, situational football. If you look across the divisional round, it was the one thing that kind of was alarming because it repeatedly happened. Now, you can criticize both defensive coordinators in the Chiefs and Bills game. I mean, the Chiefs are up five. The Bills have fourth down. Like, what in the world is Kansas City playing in the secondary? I, I mean, yeah, Gabe, Gabe Davis made a great move, but to have no safety – for a ball that's going to be caught inside the hash that can get over and at least contest that catch. I mean, poor execution all around. You already mentioned the Bills. Even in spite of everything they did, 13 seconds left with timeouts, wonderful play call by Kansas City, especially on first down. The, oh, the screen, yeah. the Tyreek Hill, you get momentum, you pick up about 30 yards. But the, the ball to Kelsey can't happen. I mean, that, that's two-man. That guy at Nickelback has to be inside leverage. I mean, it just was some uh, some unbelievable miscues by professional athletes, you know, in late in those games. I mean, it, I was sitting there like, wow. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the end of the game is it's an all-time classic. There's no doubt with the Chiefs uh, and the Bills. But with 13 seconds to go, and you could see Kelsey – I think Kelsey – told Mahomes, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to do whatever I well, want. Well, they made a little adjustment. Yeah. But because you could see. The adjustment was possible because of. They're playing side. I the, just. Why? The lack of technique by the nickel guy to start. He should be inside. Anything that Kelsey does should be an outbreaking route. Where they're playing sideline defense, you have help. The sideline and you have multiple players. The one place where you're weak, which is why his technique should be inside, is if you allow him to get inside of you. Because of the depth of the safeties because they're preventing the long play. And after what happened to him when Kansas City took the lead, uh, right before Josh Allen drove was, okay, Tyreek Hill catching a short pass and taking it the distance. So they wanted to have time to react in case Tyreek Hill caught a pass and be, and got into the open field and started running. So that was all on the technique of the nickelback. I mean, I'm watching these games. I'm like, are these guys practicing? The lack of attention to detail – I mean, it was unbelievable. There were a couple curious calls in that game, too. And now, you know, because of how this game finished, rightfully so, with the tremendous play by both quarterbacks. But I thought Brian Dable had a couple questionable calls. You know, third and short, and you're not. Just run Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Allen is a wrecking ball. He can't be stopped on short yardage, and we're getting too cute. 
the Chiefs inside the 15-yard line with bringing the tight ends oh to run an option Forget. to the weak side? Like, yeah. what the hell are we doing? I have no idea. So, I mean, and it was an all-time classic. I'm not trying to take away from it. And the weekend itself was unbelievable with these finishes. But, yeah, there were some really head-scratching moments coaching-wise. <clears throat> I thought the Titans play calling was very, very questionable. Ryan Tannehill's decision to keep it on third and one on a read option – how about you give it to the dude who's 290 pounds? I'm with you. Even even deeper than that, like, obviously, Derrick Henry wasn't comfortable sure. running with his normal physicality. I thought Foreman yeah. would have been a much better option on some of those runs. But at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill's paid Whew. to manage the game. And he did a very, very bad job of managing the Titans' playoff life. What a weekend it was. We're just unpacking it. Hey, we got some sweats going on, too. We'll get those for you as well. It's the Nightcap on VEASAN. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in this segment of the Nightcap being brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com slash find. Warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is 
an addictive chemical. Alongside Sean King, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I am Tim Murray. Got ourselves a, a couple of college hoop games. Big one going on in uh, at Fog Allen uh, there in Lawrence, Kansas. Our uh, our friend Marlins man. I just saw him. He was just walking to the background. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, he said Bengals plus the points. Good call, Marlins. He did. Man. I got a text from him. I told you. Oh, hey, peacocking. He was right. Yeah, he was peacocking. No one, no one ever does that on this show. Hey, but listen, he was right. He I was. I don't know how they did it. I mean, if you would have told me that. The Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers would combine for 26 total points <laughs> at home against Bengals defense. They're far from elite. I mean, what a wasted performance by Ryan Tannehill from that D-line of Tennessee. How oh. good were they? Well, and I, I want to get to that game real quickly. Kansas uh, leading Texas Tech, by the way, 39-33. to 33. Producer Aaron Oster is, uh, is rolling with the over here. He's got 138, so we need some points in the second half for yeah, producer Aaron Oster. That, that doesn't look good. Uh, I am, uh, I'm on the Johnnies. St. John's played Seton Hall. Six-point loss over the weekend. Playing again in Orange, New Jersey tonight. Uh, I took the seven and a half with the Johnnies, 46 to 36. So trying to make it a three-in-one night on the uh, college hardwood. Got any yeah, I'm sweating a Puck Shadamas play. I think I'm on the wrong side of this game. I had the Vegas Knights who won Winner. as an underdog on the road at the Capitals. I had uh, the Stars who actually won. And to finish out the Puck Shadamas parlay was the St. Louis Blues. And I think they left the team in St. Louis because <laughs> this squad is playing in Calgary. It doesn't look like the one I anticipated when I wagered today. But there's still time left, so we'll see. Currently down 4-1. to one. Uh, we need some goals. All right, so we need some points in Lawrence, Kansas. We need some goals in St. Louis. Are they in St. Louis or in Calgary? They're in Calgary. In Calgary, and we need status quo there in uh, at Seton Hall. So yeah, that game you, you got that one. I mean, you're the worst. I'm for real. I mean, you're getting seven and they're half. up nine, so you got 17 points. They're not going to win the rest of the game by more than 17 points. All right, let's just go in order of these games. And how they unfolded. Okay. And you know, if you want to spin it into the next weekend a little bit, just a little thought here or there. But let's start with Tennessee and Cincinnati. And Tennessee in this one, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, interception on the first play of the game. They get inside the 10-yard line. I thought the play call was horrendous, but still quarterback can't make this play. They throw a bubble screen after running the ball. Down the throats of Cincinnati. Well, that's an RPO, too. Was that an so, RPO yeah. play? So, Ryan, I think, misread the read and pulled the ball. And a tremendous play by the edge blitz. Yeah, he was great. But that ball should get handed off. And when you look at Ryan's numbers, only threw for 220 yards, threw three interceptions. Again, I say this, and it's something that I'm going to kind of start making a point and emphasis. When you have a quarterback that has athletic ability, and for those that don't know Ryan Tannehill's story, he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. It actually got playing time and was productive. So he is an elite athlete. Three carries, 12 yards. He's another one of these athletic guys that's trying to prove so hard that he's this pocket passer that he's minimizing the impact and effectiveness of the Titans offense. Because what you saw with Patrick Mahomes is what Ryan Tannehill – Derek Carr, even Aaron Rodgers, they have to implement that to their game. And that's, okay, when things aren't perfect, I'm going to pick up first downs with my legs. And you see such a uh, – uh, uh, they don't want to run. Mm -hmm. 
Rodgers, no carries. Tannehill, only three. Carr, very few limited carries in the first week's upset. That put so much pressure on the defense when it's third and four, and instead of throwing a contested ball in traffic, move around in the pocket, scramble, and pick up the first down. If Tannehill doesn't add that to his game, I think Tennessee may have to look in a different direction. Well, I mean, and we'll get to the Chiefs' performance and one of my plays that actually hit on the bankroll. Why actually? Why I had first quarter? Why I had a couple of others on there was, I mean, Patrick Mahomes saw a hole and took off running. And you know, credit to Brad Evans as he has been playing this prop basically blindly all season mm-hmm. because this is what Patrick Mahomes does. Josh Allen to another extent. So yeah, you look at Ryan Tannehill, the the last interception tries to force it in there where it felt like seven Bengal defenders are, are And you're throwing the fifteen. I mean AJ Brown's on the other side, like I mean just an all around terrible game, terrible decisions. Obviously the Titans are playing for overtime. I mean they had no sense of urgency on that drive. They didn't utilize the timeout. You know, they basically were saying either we're gonna bust something big mm-hmm. or we're gonna take the game to overtime. And Tannehill throws the ball into three people. Right. I mean, this is a ridiculous decision. You know, one that a quarterback of that experience, you expect him not to make. You know, I feel bad for Tennessee because it's very rare that you get the type of front seven that they have. And to waste the performance that that unit gave you, I mean, it, it makes you sick to your stomach. And we, talk, I mean, we talked about how bad that offensive line was for Cincinnati. That was a reason why I thought Tennessee would win. I – I didn't play him on the point spread, as we mentioned. You know, my play was the the money line parlay that obviously didn't hit. I just I felt like that Cincinnati offensive line with Prince as the tackle, he's the backup tackle, was going to get bullied. I didn't think they'd sack Joe Burrow nine times, but I mean Jeffrey Simmons was a man possessed, three sacks. Harold Langley had a, a sack and a half. I mean, they were getting after Bud Dupree got in on the action. But what did you make of Joe Burrow's performance? Tremendous. Because tremendous. I, I was blown away by just the badass nature. That dude was getting his ass kicked the entire he was. game. Got sacked nine times. He's always getting up. He finds ways. Ended up 28 of 37. I know he threw a pick, didn't throw a touchdown. But I mean, his, they don't win that game without Joe his Burrow. Compo- his composure is next level. Like his ability just to remain calm when it's chaotic around him, to not get gun shy, you know, even though he's getting shot at, he's been hit with, you know, live bullets, meaning he's sacked nine times. Like, can you imagine Tannehill or Carr in that kind of game? Like, I mean, they're running from the pocket, you know, as soon as the ball snapped. He just sat there and he kept dealing. And, you know, people hadn't talked enough about Zach Taylor, Cincinnati, and that organization. They're a perfect example of if you don't get cute, in the first round of the draft, and you just go with the production that's right in front of you, it doesn't take long in the NFL to turn your organization around. They took Joe Burrow. They didn't overthink it. They didn't try and talk themselves into hoping that something happened. The following year, instead of doing what everybody said they should do, was take Panay Sewell or Slater or Slaughter, the kid from Northwestern, the lineman, they went with Jamar Chase. Think about in San Francisco – Three first-round picks to trade up and get Trey Lance. They could have taken Jamar Chase. Think about having Jamar Chase now outside of Brandon Ayuk, who's finally, you know, starting to develop. Now you can put Debo in the backfield full-time. Well, San Francisco was 12. No, I'm talking about – yeah, yeah, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. It's a different draft. No, no, it's the same draft. 
Yeah, they, they traded up. They right. traded up. Right. My first point, round picks my point to get being, Trey Lance. right. They traded up to three. Right. Think about if they had taken Jamar Chase instead of gambling on a Trey Lance. Who, if Jimmy Garoppolo and wow. the 49ers find a way to win in LA, which they just won two weeks ago, you're telling me you're going to move on from your Super Bowl quarterback? Why? For a kid who you have no idea if he's any good. So you just, teams that get cute on draft day, it doesn't really work out. Yeah. Here's and I, what's crazy, too, and, and then I'll let you go. No, you're good. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, none of those guys the first quarterback taken in their draft. None of those guys the number one pick. I mean, I, I, was, I was dead wrong on Josh Allen. It took a little while, but I thought, you know, it was all – everyone was enamored by the arm strength and the athletic ability. I didn't – I mean, look, I'm I'm not you, Sean. I don't evaluate quarterbacks. I just watch college football <laughs> a lot of it, and I was like, I don't I don't see it. This this looks like to me the makings of your your typical bust, right? You're drafting him on potential and arm strength and athletic ability. That dude has has risen his game, and he's now I mean, he's top five in the league. And he a, is a, he is a baller, <clears throat> athletic, and he's just getting better and better. And I, I truly feel <laughs> sick to my stomach for Bills fans because. It, right now, it feels like, and we'll see, we still got three more games to play, but it feels like the two best teams in the NFL played each other on Sunday. Mm, it feels like it. We will find Cincinnati out. Cincinnati disagrees. I know, and that... Uh, we'll see if that's any substance. I might be finding myself on another side there. I might be finding myself taking some points on uh, on Sunday afternoon. We're just getting rolling. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. It is the Nightcap here on VEASAN. 
I mean, you talk about a mush. <laughs> what did he do? Jay Feely comes on the air and talks about what's the Chiefs kicker's name? Book Book Take or Book Bucker? No, Harrison Butker. Yeah, he comes on. He gives this whole eloquent. Oh, he's the second best kicker in the NFL. He never misses. And what does he proceed to do? Miss. Miss the field goal. Miss an extra point. Now all of a sudden it's a five point game late in this game instead of a nine point game. And I'm sitting here like, Jay, you're such a mush. Get, like, why is a damn kicker he goes, got a roll? I mean, I got a roll on the broadcast. He goes, Sean King, I know you have. Jeez. I know the big king best bet was oh my Chiefs gosh. minus two. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this is going to really. This is going to be important at some point in this game. But the, the, the came miss, through, though. The missed field goal, I was kind of like. Oh, that stinks, but but when he missed the extra points, oh God! Well, what I was thinking was because I had over fifty four and a half, and when they scored, the Bills scored to make it twenty seven twenty six, and they're going for two. I'm thinking, oh man, this would be such a kick to the fellas if somehow they missed this two point conversion and it ends twenty seven twenty six. Obviously, it didn't. We were good. Easy right. winner on the over, but yeah, we had about twenty points left at that point. Yeah, it was <laughs> far from over. Um, all right, let's get to the uh, the nightcap on Saturday night. And right from the shoot, it looked like uh, Packers just going to ease their way in, uh, dominate the 49ers right down the field, 7 nothing, and then no more touchdowns. And only three more points. 49ers, I believe, had... Did they have negative yards in the first half? I know they had negative like 14 yards on their first three or four possessions. They could not do anything against the Packers defensively. Jimmy G was meaningless. So let me ask you, let me but, let me present you with some 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 numbers here. Yeah. If I would have said going into the game that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to go 11 to 19 for 131 yards, no touchdowns and one interception, Get sacked four times. He had zero rush yards. Debo Samuel and Eli Mitchell were going to combine for under 100 yards rushing. You would have bet everything that you own that San Francisco doesn't get out of there with a win. Yes. That was the reality. I would have bet everything I own that Green Bay won by at least two touchdowns. Absolutely. That was what happened for San Francisco on offense. Garoppolo threw for 131 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. And Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel combined for 92 yards rushing, and San Francisco won the game. So I say that to say this. Aaron Rodgers, and that legacy is in trouble. I mean, because you're paid to be the guy that makes sure that Green Bay advances in a game like this. I mean, all those, what is he, the, the most famous dog walker in the world is like the, the role he's playing in the State Farm commercial where he's got like the wig on and the short shorts looking like this came from tennis class. Ah, at no point in that game after the first drive that Aaron Rodgers looked like he was even the best player on field when just Green Bay was on the field. Like, so at what point do we point the finger at him? Because these are home playoff games for Aaron Rodgers and his team is coming up short. Tampa went to Green Bay. Last year in the NFC Championship game, I saw a stat where I think since Rodgers has been there, they're 7-7 seven 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 yep. at home in the playoffs. Yep. They were 12-0 and 0 prior to Aaron Rodgers getting to Green Bay in home games at Lambeau Field. So more than anything, like, his legacy is taking some hits. I mean, because for Green Bay 
to not score another touchdown after that first drive, that's ludicrous to me. I mean, and that's ludicrous. And, again, I think a lot of it goes to the point. These Aaron Rodgers is a plus athlete at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, rushing yards. Like, where's the creativity? Where's the moxie? Where's the great football play? You think about the great quarterbacks. Remember Elway in the Super Bowl. What's the most memorable play? It's a Helicopter. quarterback run when yeah. he ran. He gave up his body. You look at Patrick Against Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, they're utilizing their legs to keep drives alive. And Rodgers is back there. Pat it, pat it, pat it. Oh, okay. Off the field. Shout out to Matt LaFleur and their special teams, too. Woo, they were awesome. <laughs> I mean, they were tremendous, weren't they? Good Look, I, I think Aaron Rodgers deserves a fair share of criticism. Oh, all of it. So who much is given, much is required. But that that special team's performance was was something else. Uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, who kind of dives deep into the numbers, uh, football outsiders said Green Bay had negative 31.4% special teams DVA on Saturday night. That's the worst single special teams game this season. And for Aaron Rodgers, I'm not taking him off the hook. He needed to do more. It's 10 to 10. You're thought to be the best quarterback in the NFL. You got to make plays. And Alan Lazard is doing jumping jacks in the middle of the field, buck naked, and you went down the field, double coverage to Devontae. I don't understand that. Why? Like, Alan I, Lazard I, is wide Wide, wide, wide open. Middle of the field, no one around him. Look at all the great quarterbacks. And the great quarterbacks stepped up and made plays. You're 10-10 at home. It's snowing. This is this is your game. Jimmy Garoppolo had played poor, but he made a couple plays to get him into field goal range. This is going to sound ludicrous. If I was a general manager of the Green Bay Packers, or better yet if I was the owner, because the GM doesn't have this power, the number one thing this offseason for me, off season for me, would be to trade Aaron Rodgers. We can't surround him with better personnel than he's had in his career. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb when he was elite, Devontae Adams. Now they've had running backs. They've had a tremendous offensive line, and he can't get the job done. He's eating up so much of our cap space. I mean, let's move on to Jordan Love, and if he's not the guy, let's find out. And then we got to go and find the guy. But at the same time, I think Rodgers has proven he's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Well, I, I mean, mean he, listen, he has won a Super he Bowl. He has won. One. Yeah. Still, that's. And that's a long time ago. It was. Ago. It was 2010. Ben Roethlisberger was considered an elite quarterback last time Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. And the only time. And my thing is, I wouldn't even have an issue if he had gotten there more. But it's not like the NFC has been the side with all the elite quarterbacks. I mean, you had Drew Brees in New Orleans, but most of these guys, Brady, Peyton, these guys have been in the AFC. So I'll say this, and 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 I think this past Saturday night was pretty damning for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't, you know, I don't really care about legacy. I'm just saying about this year. This is a bad, this is a bad performance by him. Two years ago, when they got dominated by the Niners. There was nothing he could have done when they ran when Raheem Mostert ran for two hundred and yeah, nine million yards. You know, last year probably could have made more plays, but still he sh- he could have run it in uh, at the end. But I thought it's probably a big like Mike Mike Petton not happened. Mike Petton also <clears throat> and I go back called to up a horrendous play defensively that allowed why Tom is, Brady and company. Why to is Rodgers so against using his athletic ability? Perfect example, last year in the NFC Championship game. I agree. He could have walked have run. in the end zone. 
Why is he so adverse to doing it? I mean, he has the capability. This is not Tom Brady. Tom Brady don't run. Have you seen Tom Brady run? It looks like it hurt something. Like, really, it looks like it hurt something. <laughs> Joe Burrow very, very rarely runs. He's coming off an of ACL. He's not the most athletic guy. Peyton didn't run because he couldn't. Like, Rodgers has that ability. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, I mean, if you're Green Bay, he's taking up a lot of cap space. Well, I'll tell you what. They could get a whole lot back for him. I don't care how old Aaron Rodgers is. That that package that they would get trading him would be enormous. Absolutely enormous. Better not go to the AFC. He's got no chance over there. Well, if, if Jared Goff, if Nathaniel Hackett Jimmy is Garoppolo the next have gotten coach, the Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. Wow. Nathaniel Hackett is the next head coach of the Broncos, which seems to be trending that way. They're going to push real hard to get number 12 to the Mile High City. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. How about we talk about Sean's former team? We'll do that next right here on the Nightcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard, and then on I'm top of it, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSEN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, then on Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vcin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year. Make your plans now to join vcin betting experts before, during, and after the action on vcin.com. Sean and I will be a part of that coverage. Looking forward to it as uh, we are getting closer and closer. It's always bittersweet, the Super Bowl, Sean. No, it's not. Because it's... It's the biggest game of the year, but then after that, we have no football. But you're worn out. I'm not worn out. I want more. Yeah. By the time the Super Bowl gets here, we need a little break. 
Yeah. Like, you get to yell at 16, 17-year-olds playing road games in college basketball. So that's probably more fun. I get anyway. to do that. And I think, I, up. I, you know, thinking about it, Sean, I'm getting choked up over here. I see. You okay? Yeah. I don't know what something down the throat. I'm, I'm getting choked up. We only have three football games left. Aaron just said Pro, the Pro Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Las Vegas getting to host the Pro Bowl. Got a lot of people coming. My guy Charles Woodson hit me, say he has an event at eight. It's a lot of good things, great things going on in the city. And one thing that's happening. Did you let Charles Woodson know that you host a radio TV show from 7 to 10? Yeah. Bring the Hall of Famer, I don't know, in here? Yeah, we'll probably do it. Um, Did you tell, the, tell him that his head coach, his alma mater's head coach, is going to be the next head coach in uh, Las Vegas? He knows. <laughs> Uh, by the way, um, inter- interesting thing that I hear is happening. I'll be interested to get Derek and the crew's um, opinion as it impacted Circa. A lot of people that I know that are going to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. are coming to Vegas. Sure. Because Californians in lockdown mode, so they're going to come to Vegas and party and hang out and do all that and then drive over for oh, the game and come back. I, I have to imagine the proximity of Vegas – to Los Angeles will lead to a lot of traffic, whether it be the week leading up to the Super Bowl or the week after the Super Bowl. One of those uh, will certainly uh, be a part of it. All right, so we've had our time to digest Saturday's games. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati moving on to play Kansas City. San Francisco moving on to play the Rams. Let's get to that Rams-Buccaneers game. I'm having a tough time kind of figuring out how to place this because the Rams, as you mentioned earlier in the show, they're up 27 to three. They did everything in their power to lose this game. Mm -hmm. But then a terrible play call by Todd Bowles with a zero blitz leads to Cooper cup, middle of the field, wide open Stafford hits him in stride and they kick the game winning field goal and they win 30 to 27. So Rams and Buccaneers, what was your your biggest takeaway about this one? <clears throat> the immediate takeaaway was I didn't like the game plan by uh, Brian Leftwich and Bruce Arians. You know, you come into that game knowing that your all-pro offensive lineman Tristan Wurst is not playing, so you're going to struggle to pass protect. Donovan Smith, the left tackle, had his worst game in pass protection ever, and the Bucks threw the ball 54 times and only attempted 13 runs. I think that lack of balance is why they got in the hole to start with. I mean, obviously, Brady was uncomfortable. They were doing a great job of getting pressure. I had talked about coming into the game how that defensive front had 31 and a half sacks between three guys. I mean, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Little, all are guys that are proficient at rushing the quarterback. And even when they didn't sack Brady, because they only sacked him three times, how many times did they hit his arm as he was throwing mm-hmm. and the ball flutters into the ground? I mean, how many times was he having to get rid of the ball quicker than he wanted? Like, I just thought from a play-calling standpoint, Tampa would have been better off trying to establish the run game because they opened the game, first two plays, Fournette goes for like eight yards and 11 yards, and then it's just like they kind of got away from it. And they ultimately ended up back in the game, but it wasn't anything that Tampa's offense did. It was the outstanding play of the defense. Well, they forced four fumbles or three fumbles, and then the center, you know, air mills <laughs> one of the snaps. I mean, so I just thought the game planning on Tampa side was bad. I thought L.A. showed their vulnerability. If you look at the last game of the season, a game dominated Up by the Rams, nothing. they fell apart in the second half. This was kind of the same thing, 
And outside of a terrible decision by the Bucks and, and the defensive play call, you know, Tampa's probably getting ready for a home game against the 49ers. So ultimately the Rams won. I do think it shows the imperfections that exist, you know, uh, with this Rams football team. Uh, can the 49ers exploit it again? 49ers 6-0 six versus ones. the Rams in the last six contests. So, yep. obviously, Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number. You know, again, it comes down to can you trust Jimmy Garoppolo? Because they advanced in spite of 11 of 19, little over 100 yards, no touchdowns and an interception in the divisional round. That was his production uh, at Lambeau Field. So, if he comes out with another performance like that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know which side to take in this game. I haven't decided yet. It's a baffling game to me. At times, for a quarter, the Rams look like the goods. Then for the next quarter and a half, they look like a, a middling, middle-of-the-road, you know, borderline playoff team. So I, I don't have a, a great feel for who the Rams are. Uh, any way you shape it, you know, when it really mattered, you know, Stafford made the right read, made the right throw, didn't overthrow the ball. You know, he put a ball perfectly down the field, cup, did what Cup does, which is get open, and he ran under and caught it, and they found a way to get a win on the road in a very tough environment. But I don't know that I came out of that game thinking this team is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, but the the tricky part about it, by the way, you're wondering about the line. Uh, it's a juice three and a half, so three and a half minus one twenty to San Francisco. It has moved. It opened at four at Westgate, three and a half here at Circa. Move that way, trending towards three. Uh, our friends at South Point, uh, Chris Andrews and company, they have three and a half minus 110 both ways. Uh, that's the way they do business over there. DraftKings, three and a half minus 105. Yeah, like you said, it's been six straight wins by the San Francisco 49ers over the Rams. It does feel like to an extent that Kyle Shanahan, who worked with Sean McVay for, for so long uh, throughout their careers in Washington, and uh, now, obviously, both very successful head coaches has Sean McVay's number a little bit. But as we saw last year, Sean, in the playoffs, right, the Saints had beaten the Buccaneers twice. Mm -hmm. Buccaneers went into the Superdome. Granted, Drew Brees looked uh, like he was on the doorsteps of retirement. Oh, yeah, he did retire. Uh, and he played terribly, but the Bucs go in and they get that revenge. I'm with you. I don't know which way to look uh, on this one. My initial inclination would be Los Angeles just because of are you really going to beat the Rams three times? Or, or could they keep it close? I think it's it's possible. I think the defensive line for the Rams is looking what they expected when they got Von Miller. But I think it's based it's game plan specific. And this is kind of why I started my analysis of the game with the lack of balance by Tampa. I mean, those ends were able to get wide. There were times when the tight end was attached to the right tackle. The defensive end was outside of the tight end and just rushing the quarterback. And Tampa had no threat of run. The one thing I do know Kyle Shanahan is going to do, he's going to make those guys get in run defense stances and play the run. He's going to try and run the ball down their throat. And that in and of itself, you know, will minimize some of the effectiveness of those, you know, pass rushers on that Rams front. I, if you force me right now, and, and again, I'll have a best bet of the week for you on Friday. As I get more information, I go back and rewatch, you know, the final game of the season between the, the Rams and the Niners. But I think I'm leaning Niners money line. Like, I just feel like the Niners have that feel like this is their year. 
You think they started the season off, people counted them out, me included. Didn't even think they would make the playoffs. They went on an 8-2 to two run, run to finish the, the, regular, the last 10 games of the regular season. They went on the road and beat Dallas on the road and beat um, – Beat L.A. Beat, well, who did they just beat? Niners just beat Green Bay. Oh, yeah. On the road and beat Green Bay. Now sure. they're going to a place, and I'll be honest with you, the Rams did something extremely smart. I heard they're trying to limit the amount of tickets that are being sold to address-based uh it ain't going to work. Oh, uh, 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 purchasers. That, play, that, place, that place is going to be 49 The final North. game of the season, I swear I thought it was a Niner home game. Yeah. So I just said that to say I don't feel like this is a true road game either oh. for the Niners. Like, I think they're comfortable at SoFi. It, you know, their fans are going to be there in bulk because there are a lot more 49er fans in the Los Angeles area than there are Rams fans. That's obvious. Yeah. You know, and they'll make the drive the or the, the flight. Season. That place, they could do all they want. It's not going to work. Yeah, 49er so. fans are going to have the majority of that place. Um, I, I just think, look, the 49ers were a very popular dog in the wild card round, and they won outright. I think the Packers were the most popular play of the week. 49ers go in there and win outright. I think the 49ers will be a very Except popular play again. Big King best bet came through, though. Eee. Go, Patrick. It's your birthday. What? You said the 49ers were popular. The Packers were popular. Patrick Everson, man. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.